I felt like <clears throat> during those first, these, the, the first song and the, the third song, or the third tag that they did, just help, heard God saying, I can do that. I started hearing and I wanted to be sensitive to what God's telling me. But he said, it's not what I can do for you. It's what I won't do for you. What will I not do for you? I'm sure that you already know the answer, but he won't. He won't hold back from you. He'll do it for you. God who split the seas, the God who's delivered a whole entire nation and set them and established them, the God who's made cancer disappear in this very church, the God who has brought financial freedom to people in this church, the God who God who's taken terminal illness, the God who has heard the doctors say, there's no hope. You're going to live with this for the rest of your life. Or we can't do anything for you. You got so long to live. God says, nah. -uh. What won't I do? room and you're believing for something, I want you to just put your hands in the air. If you're believing for healing, if you're believing for financial freedom, if you're believing for a family member, if you're believing, if you're believing for freedom from addiction, he got, he's got it for you. Do you know where it is? in the palm of your hand. You just got to reach out and grab it. Right now, just start beginning to move in the Spirit. Just start beginning to pray in the Spirit. Say, God, I, I accept the financial freedom you have for me, God. It's not so far out. It's not somewhere where I can't reach it. I believe that it's right here in, my, in the palm of my hand. God, I believe it. I receive the promises that you have for me. Come on, begin to just pray that out. Say, I believe it. I receive the promises you have for me. I believe that my health is 100% God. By your stripes, I am healed. Parkinson's has no place in this building. Cancer has no place in this building. Gastrointestinal issues have no place in this building. Oh, man. We had a young man in our church got healed from celiac disease. First thing he did is he went and ate Oreos. If you're believing for your stomach to be healed, in Jesus' name, we bring that healing straight from heaven into this room, from the throne room to here. God's already here. God's already moving. God already has your healing for you. We just have to reach out, grab, and we say, God, I accept it. God, I accept it because he's already got it for you. Man. Arthritis has no place in this building. Addiction has no place in this building. Mental scars, mental pathways that were created from addiction have no place in this building. 
no place. They have no place in you. No place in you. Because you are God's temple. This might be a church building, but we, we as people, we are the church. God's temple is perfect. God's temple is whole. God's temple is exactly how he wants it to be. Because he created you exactly how he wants you to be. somebody hello this morning. Tell them thank you for being here and that it's good to see you. Man, you know it's going to be a good morning whenever your face starts leaking early. <laughs> I love you too, Miss Janai. All right, well this morning, it is the first of the month, and at the first of the month, we like to stand in here. We like to stand in agreement here as an N3C family. We like to pray over our tithes. We like to pray over the blessing that God is going to give you, that he is going to press down, shaken up, and overflowing what you sow. So this morning, we have C.W. Wegley. He is going to be sharing with us a tithe message, and he is going to be praying over our finances. So with that, give it up for C.W. Thank you for the tissues. Boy, that's already good, ain't it? We're already starting off good. I don't even want to stop. I want to just keep going. Like, let's reverse and just, like, keep moving in the Spirit. I love flowing in the Spirit. Amen? God is, God is ready to do so many things. Um, in this scripture for the tides, like, where I was at with finances and stuff like that goes right along with what Rhett was just talking about, about all the healing and everything. Um... The scriptures in Malachi 3, verse 8, it starts, it says, Will a man rob God? 
yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me for for this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Right there is where the scripture that it's, when it, when I learned this scripture, it stood out to me. It says, try me now in this. And that's where I'm going with the healing and stuff too. I know this is a Ty's message, but healing, finances, everything. Try me now in this, he says. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. You see, when I first come to the Lord, like, I was working in a little welding shop, and nothing against welding shop is just like little welding shops sometimes don't pay the best, and and I was terrible with finances. I mean, I like when me and Kirsty got married. Like, I come to the Lord uh, at the end of 2004. We got married in 2008, and she had a stack of bill collecting letters to go through because I was terrible. That's how I was. Like, um, didn't never really was taught how to like run finances. But during that time, during those four years, what I did get straight, the four years of, of accepting Jesus and, and walking in this, you know, walking with Him and coming to the church here, was tithing. And there was times that I didn't think I had enough to tithe. But I trusted Him in that one scripture that says, try me now in this. And I tithe whatever I needed to tithe. And, and I never went without since then and pastor mark who who used to be here uh at the church i used to go and sit with sit at, at his leather shop and talk to him and stuff like that and and i remember and he brings it up to me very frequently uh whenever we're talking about different things with finances that i was sitting there trying to find the cheapest tire shop to put a uh tire on for me and i was like well i only got 35 dollars and this shop will like do all the mounting and balancing for $28. But this one over here, the tire's 25 and I think they charge me. And we're sorting through this, calling multiple tire shops so that I can afford to put one single tire on. And through those four years, God just started showing me that scripture of try me now in this and I'll show you my faithfulness. And over those years... One time I called him, I said, yeah. He goes, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm headed to the tire shop. i got to get a new set of tires. He said, a new set? I said, yeah. And he goes, I remember the time. I remember the time that you started trusting God and, and tithing, and now God has produced where you can buy four tires instead of trying to find one. So I just encourage you guys in that. Um, here at Cowboy Church, it's not like... We're like, hey, you got to tithe here, you got to, that's what I, that was originally what I loved about coming to this church was they don't pass a hat, all that stuff, it's, there's a box in the back and all that stuff and you take care of business with God. So the, and where it talks about the storehouse and everything in that scripture, it's talking about where you're fed. So bring your tithes and offerings to where you're fed. So if you're fed somewhere else, give somewhere else. If God tells you to give somewhere else, give somewhere else. So we're not trying to influence you and, and me saying that scripture about you robbing from God, like you got to give to this church. But I do encourage you to find where God wants you to give and where he wants you to test and try him in this and let him bless you. So let's go ahead and pray. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you, Father, for your word being living and true. We thank you for your promises being yes and amen. And we thank you, Father, that we can uh, stand on your word and just walk in it and, and we can taste and see 
how good you are. And we can see your faithfulness at all times. And we thank you for it, Father. We just lift up the, the tithes that come into this church, Father. We just pray, Lord, that it, that, uh, it just, we just thank you for all the provisions that it provides, but also, Father, that it can be a blessing to others. That we would be able to bless the, um, bless people outside of this church with the, with the finances that come into this church. We pray for the tithers, Father, that we pray that you would be blessing them and that they would be coming up with new ideas, that there'd be creative thoughts as your word talks about, that there's creative thoughts that come up in your people, Father God, for, for ways of businesses and, and all that stuff and, and how to better their company. Father, I pray the Lord that as the tithers in this church, Father God, start tithing that their businesses that they are doing, they start even excelling as well. Father God, not even if it's their business, but the, but the place that they work starts excelling even more, that, the, that these years are going to be the best years that they've had. Why? Because of, of their faithfulness in you. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that's cool. Yes, we do. Be in pray, pray that it's led by, that it's God-led, not just man-led. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, how is everybody this morning? Good. Good. All right. Well, first order of business, I want to bring honor to my mom and dad. Uh, they are not here this morning. They are in California with our Kingdom Ranch family. Uh, they are... Watching on live stream, I'm pretty sure, like 90% sure. <laughs> they said if they can, that they would. If not, they will be watching it later. So if you're hearing this later, here you go. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to honor them because they have gone before everybody who's spoken up here, before me, C-Dub, Josh, Kayleen, uh, Kirsty. They have gone before us and they have built a foundation and they have built something that we are able to stand upon now and that we are able to have a platform for God to minister through us as well. So I want to just bring honor to them. Bring honor to your pastors, please. If you haven't met me and are wondering who's the crying boy on stage, <laughs> uh, my name is Rhett Gleghorn. I am uh, the pastor's Son, not that that has anything to do with who I am, but that's how I am related to them. Um, I work for this church. I am the graphic designer. My official job title is the creative instigator because uh, I like instigating and I like being creative. So I am so honored to be up here, and it is an honor that I get to uh, minister to y'all to be able to stand up here and speak. It's very humbling that mom and dad keep asking me to come back because every time I get off stage, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not coming back. <laughs> I wasn't good. But <clears throat> I'm so thankful that, number one, that they keep having me speak, but I'm also thankful for all of you showing up and uh, giving me the opportunity to minister to y'all and to give me your time on a Sunday morning when you could be sleeping in, you could be out fishing, you could be golfing, any of the above and more. But thank you guys so much for being here. We love y'all. We love that we get to be a family together and be a cohesive uh, unit moving together. So thank y'all for being here. <clears throat> thank you, Travis. That was an awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know, today is Senior Sunday. 
And what we do on Senior Sunday, if you can't tell by the balloons up here, we don't just like having 2023 <laughs> balloons sitting up here. Uh, today is Senior Sunday. And on Senior Sunday, what we like to do is we like to honor the graduating class of 2023. And we want to send them off with a blessing. We want to pray over them. We want to let them know that their N3C family is standing behind them, that we are covering them, that we want to uh, be supporting them 100% in all their endeavors, that we are, we are with them. They are part of our family, right? But also, as Miss Bailey said, we do have the first and fifth graders and first through fifth graders. We didn't just leave the second, third, and fourth in the back. <laughs> we have the first through fourth grade sitting in. We also have the middle schoolers, and we have the other high school students sitting in here as well, which I'm kind of excited for. Not kind of. I'm very excited because y'all are the next generation, and it's very humbling uh, that I get to minister to kids. Um, it kind of makes me nervous, too, because kids are incredibly honest. <laughs> and if I don't do a good job, they're going to be like, you didn't do good. All right, well, I'll work better next time. <laughs> so this message this morning, it is a important message to me. It's something very near and dear to my heart. And the reason why is because it is something that I wish that more people had communicated to me whenever I was sitting in the, in the seats of the kids in here. <laughs> I love you, Ricky. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> Man, I'm already bombing. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it's very important to me because I wish that it was something that more people had communicated with me and that I was uh, told more about, that I was encouraged to do more. And that's not to say that I wasn't encouraged at all in this, but I wish that I was encouraged more. And I believe that this message is for everybody sitting in this room. It's not just for the younger generation. It's not just for people who are graduating high school or graduating college and going into the quote-unquote real world. It's for everybody in this room. And what I want to speak about today is dreaming with God. So a few years ago, uh, we had Jervis Fisher come into this church um, if you don't know who Jervis Fisher is, him and his wife, Melissa, they run an orphanage in Belize. And they, whenever they come up here, we like to have them come speak every now and again. They are very near and dear to our family here at N3C. Uh, but whenever Jervis was here, I believe it was, it was, it was a Saturday night, a while ago. <laughs> uh, it was January of 2019. And 2019 was the year that I graduated. I graduated May of 2019. And Jervis shared a word with me that was very prevalent at that time in my life. And he spoke to me about dreaming. Not physical dreams, because my physical dreams are weird. <laughs> have you have you ever woken up out of a dead sleep and been like, what was that? Yes. <laughs> yes. I do that probably one to two times a week. I, I'm a sleep talker. My wife will tell me whenever I wake up, you said this, this, and this whenever in your dream. I'm like, I don't know, man. Uh, there was one time uh, we had just got a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and in my dream, we were looking for where we were going to put the vacuum cleaner. And I was finding places. I, I was like, it'll go here. It'll go great here. In my dream, well, I woke up the next morning and my wife told me, she goes, 
why were you talking about a vacuum cleaner? I said, I don't know. She goes, you sat up in bed, literally straight up and started patting my legs and said, this will go good. The vacuum cleaner will go here. I don't know. I don't know. Thank God it wasn't about my real dreams at the word that he gave to me, but rather he was referring to my dreams as my goals, my aspirations, what I wanted to be. What was I dreaming of in real life? And like I said, the word that he gave to me was right before I was graduating. And I think before you graduate is the time whenever you probably dream the most. Getting up to that point in graduation. What are you going to do? There's so much pressure. I just want to say this. High schoolers, there is so much pressure on you to figure out what you want to be right now. You don't got to. You got to have, you can have an idea. Yes, you can have an idea. But don't feel the pressure that people are putting on you to make your whole life in high school. You're 18 years old. You ain't going 60 some odd years doing the same thing that you want to do in high school. Just going to say that. I'll touch on that a little bit more. (laughs) But that's the word that Jervis gave to me. And it was something that I was, I accepted with open arms. I was like, man, this is so good. This is perfect. And I think now looking back on it, I wrote it down in a journal. And looking back on it, I'm like, man, God, you are cool because you're, you're doing what you spoke through Jervis. So as we know, Every kid dreams. Every kid thinks about what they're going to be when they grow up, right? I was no exception to this. Whenever I was little, I had all sorts of dreams of what I was going to be. I wanted to be a baseball player, which didn't work out because I'm an incredibly average athlete. (laughs) I did not get those genes from my mother. My mother is an incredible athlete, but I did not get those. I wanted to be an astronaut, but I'm incredibly scared of heights. Don't know how that's going to work whenever you're above the earth. (laughs) Uh, I wanted, ironically enough, to be a pastor. (laughs) I wanted to do what my daddy did. And... It was it was really cool being able to dream whenever I was little because no one had told me no yet. The most prevalent dream that I've had probably all my life in in high school it became the strongest was that I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be in music of some sort. And so much so that in high school, I would spend most of my time whenever I wasn't doing schoolwork or whenever I finished my schoolwork, I'd be dreaming about writing music, playing in little bars, honky-tonks, whatever, and singing my music to people or singing my music to just crowds in general. And I had this dream on the inside of me that I was going to be a touring musician. I was going to have people singing my songs back to me. I was going to be the next big thing in music. That's what I wanted to do. And I chased this dream. I, instead of going to college, instead of filling out loan applications or scholarship applications, I, well, they still made me do that, which I think was stupid. I wasn't going to college. I instead got an internship. 
and I interned at a church in Texas called DCC, Dayton Christian Center. And I went there to intern under their worship leader, Jack Lawson. And it was, it was a super exciting thing for me because I was like, I don't have to go into debt to learn what I want to do. I don't have to pay money to learn what I want to do. I just get to go and do what I want to do. So I was really excited for what I was going to, for my internship, for going to Texas and getting into my internship. I was so excited. And I would tell people about it, and I got a range of responses. I got some good responses, but the ones that kind of stuck with me were the bad ones. I heard people say, are you sure you want to be in music? I mean, nobody makes it in music. The chances of you making it in music are slim to none. Are you sure you don't want a degree? I mean, you're going to want a fallback fall, fall plan whenever you don't make it in music. Not if, when. You sure you don't want to go to college? I mean, that's the thing that everybody else is doing. Everybody's going to college. You need a degree to make it in the real world. That's what I heard most of the time whenever I told people about my dream. Dreams seem impossible or out of touch to some people. Dreams are just something out there that people can think about. People will tend to say and do things whenever you tell them about your dream that tend to hurt it, that destroy it, that make you think maybe this dream isn't attainable. But much more than that, those people, they most of the time don't mean to destroy your dream. People are just realistic. Because they don't know what it's like to have a successful dream. But much further than just people telling you that, the devil will try to tell you that. The devil's going to try and convince you that your dream is not possible. Three things that I learned or that I've picked up on that the devil will try and use. Number one, he will use hurt against you. I remember with my dream of being a pastor, I, I, being a pastor's son, I saw firsthand, I was a firsthand witness to people hurting my parents. I was a firsthand witness of seeing people that my mom and dad invested so much into just up and leave. I saw the way that people treated my parents, not just in church, but also outside of church. And that hurt them, which in turn hurt our family, but that hurt me a lot. And I thought, I don't want to have anything to do with church people. I'm just being 100% honest. I said, church people are kind of crappy. I'm not being 100% honest there because the sermon would be R-rated. Just being honest. (laughs) But that was my thought as I was like, man, church people just hurt you all the time. No matter how much you invest into them, they're just going to hurt you. They're going to turn around and bite you back. So that was my thought. So I let hurt steer away, steer me away from that dream. Comparison is another way that the, den- that the enemy will try and hurt your dream. Especially in music. For me, I would look at other people that play music or that write or play guitar and I was like, I'm nowhere close to as good as them. There's no way in this world that I'm going to be ever as good as them. But that's with every other field too. It's not just music. 
You can see somebody who's incredibly skilled at their job, who's incredibly good at what they do, and you're like, <laughs> I, I, how am I going to make it? I don't have the skill. I'm not good enough. I don't got the money to invest into this. Why, why should I do it if they're already doing it? What difference will I make? Comparison is going to kill a dream. The third thing that I found is fear. Dreaming scary. I'm just going to be honest. Dreaming is scary, but only because we're taught that it's scary. Dreaming doesn't have to be scary. We're taught that if you dream, that dreams don't come true. That people who dream are crazy, got their head in the clouds, they're out of touch with reality. We hear that dreaming is just for kids. Dreaming for what they want to be. They can have as many dreams as they want to. They can dream of being the next rock star, president, congressman. I don't know what kid wants to be a congressman, but power to you. They're going to dream about being the next Gordon Ramsay. They're going to have all these dreams, but that's just for kids. We're taught that dream come true is only in a Disney movie. It's for fiction. It's for fantasy. It's not real life that we need to get our head out of the clouds and snap back to reality. Well, there goes gravity. Well, no, I'm kidding. We're taught that we need to snap back to reality and quit dreaming and get back to the real world. I found that comparison and fear are the fastest way to kill a dream. But that's why we need to dream with God. When we partner with God in our dreams... He'll take the hurt, the comparison, the fear that we have, and he will make it minuscule to what he's going to show you he's going to do. God wants to partner with us in our dreams. He wants to see us succeed in our dreams. And the reason why he wants to see this is because dreams are put in our heart and our minds by God. God created every part of us, right? Right? Yes. Amen. God created every part of us, and every part of us means our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thoughts, our dreams, what we want. God created that on the inside of us. If you would, go ahead and turn to Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, David is having this moment with God. And he's having this realization that God knows him so well. And he just starts writing it out on paper. Psalm 139 is a beautiful scripture to read. It's it's one of the happier verses in Psalms, because a lot of Psalms can be seen as sad or depressing, but this is a happy scripture. So if you need to pick me up, go read Psalm 139. So in, one, in Psalm 139, uh, we're going to put it on the screen if you don't have a Bible. We're starting in verse 13. It says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. Skip to verse 15. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. This is my favorite part right here, this very beginning of verse 16. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. 
You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Hmm. Man, that's cool. I love that. So since God has created every single part of us, since God knows us so well, he knows the desires, he knows the dreams that we have on the inside of us, and that's because he put them there when he created you. I like to think about it. He had a ball of Play-Doh, a light pink Play-Doh. It was your brain. And he started molding it and shaping and putting all the creases into it exactly where they should go. And he started speaking into it, his desires that he has for you, his dreams that he has already made for you. He started speaking those things into this ball of Play-Doh and then wrapped a human around it. He wrapped you around it. Man, that's, that's cool. You're doing good, Rap. Woo! <laughs> See, our dreams are not our own, but rather they are God's dreams that He put on the inside of us. Amen. God wants us to dream with Him, not on our own. God inspired our dreams, and there's no one that wants that wants to partner with us more in our dreams than the one who inspired them. Right. So when I told certain people about my dream, I did get bad responses. Just how it goes sometimes. But even though that the bad responses still stuck with me, the good responses are what kept me going. Amen. The main supporters of my dream were my best friend, Daxton. I've talked about him before, but he would always tell me, dude, you got this. We got, we, we went and got tattoos before I left for Texas. I got mine right here. It says, trust the process. It's what you got to do. Just got to trust the process. Yeah. I'm going to touch on that a little bit too. Don't worry. Daxton supported me and my best friend. My girlfriend at the time, who is now my beautiful wife, Lacey, she supported me and my family. I got a lot of support from other people, but those three were like, what pushed me to go. So whenever I left for Texas or whenever my family took me down there, I, they dropped me off at the ranch. And before my mom and dad left, my mom, she said, I got something for you. And she gave me a Bible. And it's not just any Bible. It's the Bible that she had three or four years prior to me leaving. This Bible has highlighter marks. It has notes in the columns. It has things underlined. It has things crossed out. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was supposed to be a funny and y'all were like. <laughs> yeah, mom, mom used her black highlighter in some of this. No, no, it's highlighted. It's underlined. It's got notes in the margins that she has read through this and she has made little markings in it. But she told me, she said, I have things in here for you. I have little, I think she called them little treasures. And automatically I was like, Oh, you put money in there. (laughs) What was actually in here was much more valuable than money. And I want to share a couple of these with you. What she did is she left sticky notes for me in this Bible She left little sticky notes. I'm making sure that you can see it. Yeah. She left sticky notes in here and she put encouraging words on them. She left 
notes that correlate with scriptures in this Bible. And I want to share a couple of these with you because they were encouraging to me. And because I'm speaking, I can do it. I want So this first one says, you've got a song in you, son. Find your song. Excuse me if I get a little weepy. I apologize. It's hard to read through tears. That's dumb. Uh, This next one says, do not be consumed with chasing success. Run hard after God's heart. This will lead to your greatest adventure and fill you with immeasurable success. This one says, I know the heart in you, the words over you from before you were born. Run hard after God's heart and it will lead to your dreams. This next one says, son, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. God will bless you even in the struggle. I believe in you. If you would turn to Ephesians 3.20. And my mom made me made sure that I didn't miss this part. She wrote a note in it, like an actual an actual note. She put two sticky notes and she highlighted it. <laughs> she made sure that I wasn't going to miss this one. So I'm going to read what the note says. No, let's read the first first. Ephesians three twenty. It says. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So my mom wrote on this sticky note, she said, Son, as long as you walk with God, you can never outdream him. Dream big dreams. This Bible meant the world to me. Still does. What my mom and dad had been speaking over me from the time that I was just a wee lad. (laughs) What my mom and dad spoke over me, what my mom and dad had been believing God for, what they heard God say about me, what people had prophesied over me, they reminded me of it. Tell me, son, don't worry. You were created for such a time as this. God says so. Do you remember what Jervis said over you? January 19th of 2019. Dream big. Do you remember what so-and-so said over you? What they prayed over you? Follow it. Chase it. Dream big. Dream big dreams. That's what they would tell me. My parents supporting me and championing my dream meant the world to me. Parents, I'm not a parent. I'm scared to become a parent, to be honest. But I'm excited for the day when my son comes up to me, my daughter comes up to me and says, Daddy, Daddy, I want to be this. Because guess what I'm going to say? You get them. Do it. You want to be an actor? I'll put you in acting classes. Drama class. Here we go. I'm going to be a drama dad. (laughs) You want to be a singer? I'll be a choir dad for you. Parents, your job, the reason that I'm saying this is because I had parents that did this. Your job as parents is to champion your kids' dreams. 
to support them 100% in everything that they, not maybe everything that they do, because kids can be dumb sometimes. No offense, kids. They can make really bad choices. Just being honest, I was a kid too, still am. Make bad choices. It's all good. But your job is to support your kids. They won't make near as bad of mistakes if you teach them how to dream with God. Parenting tip. (laughs) See, your opinion matters so much to your kids. Even though they may not seem like it does, or they may be like, yeah, okay, mom, dad, okay, whatever. I was in that same place. My mom and dad would tell me, oh, you did so good. And I'm like, you're my parents. You have to say that. Thank you. (laughs) But deep down on the inside of me, that meant so much to me. Knowing that my parents thought that I was doing good. Knowing that my parents were saying, you got this. Go for it. Send it. Full send. Do it. Go for it. Your job as parents is to cast vision for your kids' dreams. It's so important for your kids to see you dream as well. So important. Because my parents had taught me how to dream with God, how to trust God with my dreams, how to uh, just let him do what he was going to do, how to trust the process. Because they taught me this, that's why I'm right here. I'm not saying that I'm entitled to it. I'm not saying that because my parents taught me this, that's like, God's blessing over me or like anything like trying to be about it. I'm not trying to be cocky or saying that this is that that's the reason why I'm up here. The reason why I'm up here is because God knew that I would be up here before I was born. God has had something on the inside of you from the time that you were just a thought in your father's imagination. A thought in your mother's imagination. God had a plan for you. Where he sees you right now is where he planned for you to be all those years ago. 22 years ago, God knew that I would be here. Before I was born, God knew that I would be here. Before I was born, God knew the desires on the inside of my heart. What's really cool is that me trusting God led to my dream being, my dream coming true. And what I mean by that is that nearly every Sunday, I get to stand right up here and I get to play my guitar. Nearly every Sunday, I get to come into church and I get to worship. Every, nearly every Sunday, I get to do music. I've gotten to be a part of the songwriting process. I've gotten to write a verse to one of the songs here at the church. I've gotten to be a part of the writing process of some of the songs in Texas whenever I was interning there. I've gotten to be a part of arranging, uh, saying like, hey, this would go really good right here. This would go really good over here. Maybe we should switch this around. I've gotten to be a part of that process. I'm getting to do what I've wanted to do. If you would, turn to Ephesians 2 real quick. 
Is it exactly what I pictured that I'd be doing? No. It wasn't. But guess what? It's exactly what God pictured for me. It's exactly where God had envisioned me to be at. And I only got to this place because I trusted God with my dreams. And I said, God, I'm going to partner with you in this. So in Ephesians 2, we're going to start in verse 10. It says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So I got to digging into this scripture and in the footnotes, it kind of just blows this verse wide open. Just add something really cool to it. And one of the footnotes says, our lives are beautiful poetry written by God that will speak forth all that he desires in life. Not all that we desire in life, all that he desires. In other words, all that he desires through us. Another footnote said, these good works make up our destiny. As we yield to God, our destiny comes to pass and we are rewarded simply do, for simply doing what God has set for us to accomplish. When we choose to dream with God, when we choose to partner with God, we will reach our dreams, but we're going to reach further than that. We're going to gain so much more than just our dream. Remember in Ephesians 3, it said that God is going to do more than your wildest wildest dreams. He's going to exceed what your imagination can even think of because you trust him. Because you're giving the reins over to God and you're saying, you know what? It's gonna, this carriage ride is going to go a whole heck of a lot smoother with you in the driver's seat. Let me be passenger princess. I'll tell you where to, I'll, I'll hold the map for you. You just drive. I choose to partner with you. What's really cool is that whenever I went to Texas, Like I had said, that dream of being in ministry kind of died out. And I was like, man, all I want to do is go play my guitar, listen to a message, and get on with my Sunday. That's where I was at. Like I said, I'm just being honest. I could care less if I did anything for the church or ever spoke in front of a church again. Just being honest. But whenever I went to Texas, I got to talking with Jack one Sunday, or not Sunday, one day, and uh, we were putting stuff together for the church, and he and I were just having this conversation, and I told him, I said, man, ministry is for the birds. I don't want to have any part in it. And he said, why? I said, man, I've seen so many people run my parents through the dirt. I've seen so many people hurt them. I've seen so many people just up and leave after mom and dad have invested so much into them. And it sucks. It hurts. And if that's how my parents are going to be treated, I don't want to have any part in it. And he said something really profound to me. He said, you're going to get that anywhere. 
like, oh, crap, what am I going to do now? (laughs) No, uh, whenever he said that, he goes, you're going to get that anywhere you go. It's not just church world, and it may seem like that in church world because you expect more out of people. You expect people to act a little bit better in church world, but you're going to get that anywhere you go. You want to be a manager at Target? I I tell you, dream a little bit bigger than that. But if you want to be a manager at Target, you're going to have people scream and yell in your face all day. You want to be a barista at Starbucks? You're going to have people coming up. My iced mochachado latte is not what it's supposed to be. You're going to have people that are jerks to you no matter where you're at. And from that point on, whenever I started thinking about that and I started having that realization, I was like, you're right. I'm going to get that anywhere. And from that moment on, God began to turn this wheel on the inside of me. He began to blow on these coals that were once dead, that once had no life left to him, that had been soaked in water. He reignited the flame and began to stoke these coals for ministry. My heart for the church. He began to blow on these coals and he began to, to revive this dream on the inside of me. He began to revive a dream on the inside of me. A dream that I once thought was long dead and gone, that was, had no life left in it. God still chose to revive it. He gave me the ability to revive it. He began to give me tools to revive it. He put people in my life to revive it. If that was the only reason that I went to Texas was to have a dream revived on the inside of me, I'm so glad that I did it. Amen. So glad. When we give God our dreams, he can cause them to be to, to grow them. He can make them flourish. He can make them thrive. But he can also revive something that we thought was once dead. So remember how I said that parents, you need to show your kids how to dream. You may be sitting here thinking, what can I dream of? I'm so far into this walk of life. I'm 20, 30, 40, 50 years into this walk of life. How can I dream Are you dreaming for financial freedom? Do you want to be financially free? Do you want to be financially stable? Do you want to live life without this debt breathing down the back of your neck? Dream for financial freedom. Are you dreaming for your healing, for your health? Are you dreaming for the day whenever you don't stand up off the couch and your knees sound like corn nuts? (laughs) Are you dreaming for the day whenever you can see clearly again? Are you dreaming for the day whenever you can hear clearly again? Are you dreaming for the day whenever you don't wake up and your hands are bothering you? What are you dreaming for? If you're single in here, are you dreaming for your spouse? Are you dreaming that your husband is a man of God? That they will protect you, that they're going to cover you? Are you dreaming for your wife that she's a Proverbs 31 woman? I think that's the right scripture. Proverbs 31, thank you. That she's a Proverbs, that was off the cuff, baby. (laughs) That she's a Proverbs 31 woman. 
Are you dreaming that she is going to be a woman of God that supports you? What are you dreaming for? Are you dreaming for a new house? In this economy, you better be. <laughs> Economic joke. <laughs> uh, are you dreaming for a new car? Man, this one that I got, it's running, but who knows how long it's going to keep running for. Every time I get in my car, I have to pray in the Holy Spirit for it to be started. <laughs> what are you dreaming for? That wasn't me, by the way. My truck runs great. I'm just making an example. <laughs> what are you dreaming for? What are you dreaming for? Dreaming is for anyone and everyone. All walks of life. All ages. Dreaming is for everyone. You can't stop dreaming. You can't stop dreaming. Because without dreamers, without people that dream, this is a very sad world. I want you... My phone's right there. Can you hand it to me, Kev? This is going to be a pretty dumb demonstration. Thank you. I want you to take your phone out of your pockets. Just humor me for a second. <laughs> he said he don't have a phone. <laughs> You're all good, buddy. You're all good. So I want you to look at your phone. I want you to open it. I want you to swipe back and forth. I want you to see all the applications. I want you to see the ingenuity that went into this phone. Without a dreamer, we wouldn't have had this. Without a dreamer, we would be stuck with Motorola razors. Without a dreamer, we would have been stuck with green text bubbles. I'm totally joking. I'm not blue text superior or anything like that. Android phones too. I don't even know who created an Android phone. <laughs> I want you to think about all the things that we have that we use in our everyday lives that a dreamer has created. If Henry Ford didn't dream, we'd be walking. Or we'd still be driving Model Ts because somebody didn't come up with the idea sooner. Imagine if... Imagine if George Washington didn't dream. Imagine if the founding fathers didn't dream that they were complacent where they were. Imagine if. What would we do without dreamers? See, the world belongs to the dreamers. Amen. The dreamers are the one who changes things. The dreamers are the ones who come up with ideas, who create, who do these things that people think there is no cotton-picking way that you should be able to do that. But how did you? That's what dreamers do. Dreamers do the impossible. What people think is so far out there, that's what dreamers do. Dreaming is for everyone. I want you to tune in Right now, if this is the only thing you get today, I want you to look at my eyeballs, look at my lookers, 
make your lookers look at my lookers. I want you to stop thinking about if the buffet is still going to be open. I want you to stop thinking about what you put in the crock pot for lunch. Tune in right here, please. Imagine what would happen if we partnered with God in our dreams. Imagine what would happen. To partner with somebody, I like to think of it like a business plan. I like to think of it like going in on a business with somebody, that you're partnering with them. If you partner with somebody, typically what you do is you find somebody who's successful in what they do. Somebody who knows the ropes. Somebody who is experienced in that field. Somebody who knows what they're doing. And you partner with them and you listen to them. You do what they're telling you to do. And what comes of it? Success. It's no different with God. Except God's success rate is 100%. When you partner with God, whenever you... Go with him like a business partner and say, you know what, God, I just want to sit and I want to listen to you. I want to know what you have to tell me. I want you to guide me through this process of my dream. Whenever you do that and you listen to where God's leading you, you listen to what he's telling you to do. It's going to be successful. Just like a business, your dreams are going to come to pass. If you would, turn to Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, we're starting in verse 4. It says, Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh, and He will give you what you desire the most. So whenever we read this verse, oftentimes we hear that word delight and we think, Yeah, take, take joy in the Lord. Make him your, what you delight in, what you find happiness in, what you find pleasure in. And that's not wrong. We should do that. But that word delight means something different. That word delight means soft, delicate, or dainty. Whenever I read that, I was like, oh man, I don't want to be dainty. Man. I'm not dainty. But as I started, as I started digging further into what this means, I wanted to, I was like, that, 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 that there's gotta be more. So I started digging a little bit more, and what it means, as you start digging into that word a little bit, is it means to be pliable. What does that mean? What does that mean? To be pliable is to be able to be formed, to be shaped, to be moved, to be manipulated in a way so that it's able to fit somewhere or that it's able to do certain things. See, what we have to do is we have to be pliable with God. We have to allow Him to shape us, to form us, to begin to manipulate us into what he is shaping us for in the future. We have to allow God to work, not ourselves. His planning is perfect. 
His timing is perfect. What he has in the future for you is perfect. It's all coming in his timing, though. I like to think about it like this. How many golfers do we have? Gage, raise your hand. (laughs) So with golf, if you get up to the ball and you line up your shot and you think, I'm just going to hit the dog snot out of this thing. And you go for it, you get up there and you, I mean, you wind back and you, boom! Boom! Hard slice, hard hook. Or you don't even hit the ball. (laughs) Why is that? It's because you're trying to do it yourself. My dad used to tell me this because I would do that all the time. What you have to do is you have to get up there and you have to let the club do the work. You can't baby swing it. You can't be a Sally with it. You have to actually put in some effort. But you have to let the club work for you. And nine times out of ten, if you let that club do the work, if you just let it eat nice, easy swing, you're going to end up in the fairway. It's going to set you up for your next shot and your next shot until you get to where you're wanting to go. Same thing with God. When you partner with him, when you let him do the work, he's going to set you up for the next place to go. He's going to set you up for the next place to go. He's going to set you up again for the next place to go until you reach to where you're wanting to go completely to your dream. That's how it is to partner with God. So last week, mom spoke about Abraham and Isaac. And I told her, I said, mommy, basically alley-oop me for this weekend. What I meant by that was that Whenever God spoke to Abraham and said, I need you to sacrifice your son. God wasn't saying it just for the heck of it. How many of us know that God knows what he's doing? Some of y'all don't know that God knows what he's doing based off the hands. (laughs) I'm just messing with y'all. So whenever God was asking Abraham that, he wasn't just asking for the heck of it. God was asking Abraham because he wanted to see, is Abraham going to trust me with his dream? Isaac was Abraham's dream. Isaac, uh, yeah, I said that right. Abraham couldn't have kids. Sarah couldn't have kids. He was 99 years old when he had Isaac. There's still hope, guys. Whenever, (laughs) Whenever Isaac was promised to Abraham, that was his dream. God gave him a dream, gave him a dream. It wasn't Abraham's dream, it was God's dream. And said, your dream is going to be fulfilled through Isaac. Your promise is Isaac. So, whenever God asked him that, asked him to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham says, okay. So Abraham takes Isaac, he gets two servants, he gets Isaac, he gets a couple of donkeys, and he packs up for this trip. And as they're going to the mountain, Isaac asks him, he says, where's the ram, dad, for the sacrifice? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. They get to the mountain, still no ram. They unpack everything, they start ascending the mountain, they get up there, still no ram. They build the altar, they put wood on it, no ram. Abraham ties Isaac up, lays him on the altar, still no ram. 
gets out the knife and he's raising it above his head and just about as he's about, just as he's about to come down on Isaac. An angel stops and says, wait, 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 Abraham. Look over there. God has seen that you are faithful and that you trust him with your dream. Therefore, he has provided. And this ram right here, like mom said, has been around from the beginning of time for this exact moment. God had planned this out, this exact moment. He planned for that ram to be there as long as you trusted him. Man, that's a lot cooler than y'all are leading on. God had a plan all along from the moment, literally from the moment the time started. God had this ram created. According to biblical history, this ram had been around for, I think, like a thousand some odd years for that exact moment. For that exact moment. God has his provision for you in that exact moment that you are needing it. Abraham came away from that place and he named it Yahweh Yireh. Don't know if I'm saying that right. Okina Texan raised me. You know how it goes. <laughs> Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. He will provide. You just got to trust him. Let God have your dreams and allow God to grow your dreams. Allow him to direct them and to guide them and to guide you where you need to go. Like I said, his plan is better than ours. His plan, his, his, his timing is better than ours. We just got to trust the process. Got to let go. <laughs> they should make signs that say that. Let go and let God. <laughs> Hobby Lobby should trademark that. <laughs> See what's cool? Is that dreaming becomes reality with God. Dreaming becomes a reality with God. I want to encourage y'all this morning, if you are in this place where you are dreaming for certain things, if you are believing God for things to start happening in your life, I encourage you to take your hands off of it. I encourage you to say, God, you know what? I trust you. It's all yours. I'm going to listen to what your voice is telling me. I'm going to stop relying on my own understanding and trust your plan. God, I trust you. If you're in this church this morning and you're in a place where you are believing for something and you are trusting God for it, keep trusting him. If it hasn't come to pass yet, keep trusting him. I heard, I think it was Todd White that said this, whenever he talks about praying for people, whenever he talks about praying for healing, he said, I didn't get it for a long time. But the day that I got it was the best day ever. And he said, I didn't stop praying. 
I didn't stop believing that God was going to bring somebody healing because I prayed over them, because God chose to work through me. Who knows what you're dreaming of, what you're, what you're hoping for, what you have faith in God for, what you're trusting God for is maybe just right around the corner. But how would you know if you stop? How would you know if you stop having faith in Him and trusting Him for what He's doing? Uh, high schoolers, young kids, first through fifth grade, middle school, high school, graduating class, I encourage you to never stop dreaming. You're going to hear a lot of no's. You're going to hear a lot of that's impossible. You're going to hear a lot of are you sure? You're going to hear a lot of poo-poo being thrown on your dream. But I encourage you to never let that deter you from what your dream is. I encourage you to say, God, they're saying all this. They're saying stuff over here, but God, I choose to put on my earmuffs and I choose to listen to what you have been saying about me all along. That you have a plan for me. That you've created me for something good. That you have these dreams set aside for me. That you have planned on the inside of me. That you've planned out for me. I'm going to trust you with them. Choose to say that. Choose to listen to what God's voice is telling you, the encouraging voices that are telling you that you can do it rather than the voices that are telling you you can't. I said that to the younger generation, yes, but I encourage the older generation, the people who are my age, the people who are above my age, I encourage you to not let people squander out your dreams. Don't let the enemy squander out your dreams. Because they could be right around the corner. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for putting dreams on the inside of us. God, we thank you for letting us see those dreams through, for helping us to see those dreams through. God, thank you for carrying us. God, thank you for telling us what we need to do in those dreams. If you're in this building and you say, God, I've never known what it's like to dream with you. I don't know what it's like to have my dreams supported by my heavenly father. I don't know what my heavenly father says about me or my dreams or his encouragement. If you're in here and you're in that place, I want you to just quietly to yourself. I want you to just begin to pray and say, God, I accept you. I want to dream with you from this moment on. I want to dream with you from this moment on, God. I want to be accepted into your family, and I want to dream with you. I want to partner with you in my dreams. You don't have to say it verbatim. There's not a prayer that you need to pray. You just need to say, God, I accept you, and I accept your plan for me. And I choose to dream with you, not on my own anymore. 
If you're thinking, I, 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 I have dreamed with God at one point, but I kind of stopped dreaming with him. I've walked away from him. And I miss what my, my father has taken me to. I miss where my father has led me. I miss feeling that partnership with my father. If you're in that place, I encourage you to pray the same exact thing. God, I want back into your partnership. I want to partner with you again. God, I choose to trust you. Instead of leaning on my own understanding, God, I choose to trust you. Now, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask that if you if you did that for the very first time or if you've rededicated your life to Christ, I'm going to ask for you to stand up, but not yet. I'm going to ask that you do it out of boldness. I'm going to ask that you do it and you say, I am recommitting my life. I'm recommitting my dreams to where God is calling me to. And I want you to do it as brave as you can because we're not looking at you sitting here thinking, oh, I thought they were saved. We're sitting here thinking, praise God that they are now saved. Praise God they're back in our family. Praise God that they're coming into our family for the very first time because we're not here to judge you. We're not here to say, well, you should have been saved a long time ago. We're here to say, welcome home. Welcome to God's family. Welcome. If that was you this morning, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take a stand. Stand up. Let us know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, cool. With that, I guess, amen.